Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Start of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established. On this episode, I'm talking with Zvi Band. Zvi is the co-founder and CEO of Contactually, a top CRM which empowers professionals in real estate, consulting, and other professional industries to build authentic relationships. He's also the author of the book, Success in Your Sphere. He founded Contactually in 2011 in D.C. and led the company to $12 million in venture backing, grew up to 75 employees and tens of thousands of customers, including eight of the top 20 real estate brokerages in the country. Contactually was acquired by Compass, and uh, Zvi stayed on to be a general manager until just this year. And now he's actually embarking on another entrepreneurial journey as he tries to figure out what he's going to do next. Uh, we're obviously going to continue to watch as he's left Compass and working on his next thing. So we'll watch curiously and hopefully hear from him soon and look forward to hearing what he's up to in the near future. Before we jump into the interview, I wanted to share some thoughts and words of advice from our established team members. First up, we've got our co-CEO, Jen Consalvo, with some words of inspiration for startup founders. Hey, everyone. Jen here. Today, I want to talk to you about time. As a startup founder or someone leading a startup, I know that you probably think of time as the enemy, but I'm here to tell you it's not. There is so much to do when you're running a startup and you're constantly feeling like there's not enough minutes or hours in the day. But the bottom line is that there is and you can do it. And there are a few keys, a few tricks to making sure that you embrace the time that you have and that you feel good about it. So one is staying inspired, right? So that means not just inspired for your business, but inspired for life, embracing the joy, embracing anything you can to stay creative and optimistic, happy, all of those things. It may sound a little fluffy, but it is probably one of the the most important things to ensuring that you're going to be in this for the long haul and have the energy to continue when things are rough. So throughout your day, don't think about uh, all those little things that might help you to stay inspired as wasting time. You need to do those things in order to stay friends with time and to keep time on your side. So make time to exercise, make time to go to the doctors, whatever it might be to stay healthy. Make time to go for a walk when you just need a change of scenery. Make the time to talk to friends or to, to join a, whatever it might be, a conversation that, that would get you uplifted or inspired, connect you to like-minded people, or maybe even step completely out of the work uh, the work mindset and step into something that that just um, invokes your passion, sparks your interest in something completely different. To me, you know, having uh, having started a few companies now and knowing what it takes to hang in there for the long haul and to not lose your mind <laughs> and to honestly not um, to not stress yourself out of good health or out of good leadership, you need to do these things. So really build your toolkit. Figure out what are all those things that you need to do on a daily or weekly basis. Build them into your schedule because I promise you doing all those things to make friends with time will give you back the most productive hours of your day to focus on your company. Take care out there. Bye. 
Thanks, Jen. Great tips on time. Next up, we've got Rich Malloy, our VP of Engagement with Establish and part of Establish Ventures, who has some tips for startup founders with his segment called VC Minute. Hi, this is Rich Malloy with Established Ventures, bringing you the VC Minute. Quick advice to help startup founders fundraise better. Let's talk about one more word you should never say while fundraising. Bridge. Saying you're raising a bridge round immediately conjures this question in investors' minds. Is it a bridge to nowhere? Investors will ask this of themselves or of their colleagues, and it's gone from being a joke to an old joke to simply the expected next question. If you say bridge while fundraising, it immediately puts you in a defensive position, having to explain why this is not a bridge to nowhere. So if you never want to call your funding round a bridge, what do you call it? The beauty of the current seed environment is that it's a phase. You may raise a pre-seed, a seed, a seed two, a seed extension, all before you raise a series A. None of these is a bridge, and none should ever be labeled as such. It may seem minor, but investors can no more stop themselves from picturing a bridge to nowhere than you can prevent yourself from thinking about a pink elephant, no matter how emphatically I tell you, whatever you do, don't think about pink elephants. So good luck raising your seed two round. That's all for the VC Minute. Back to you, Frank. Thanks, Rich and Jen. Great tips as always. And as many of you know, we've had a long tradition of heading down to South by Southwest in Austin, Texas in mid-March. It's a great festival and inter- interactive has been our thing for the last, uh, this is going on 11 years here. And so I wanted to quickly let you know that we're going to be doing something, we've got something brewing again this year in mid-March. It's not going to be obviously in person. It's going to be online and it'll be kind of coupled or, or, or tied kind of closely together with South by Southwest. They're going to be doing their own uh, programming. We're going to do ours around it so we're not interfering with the, what they're doing, but uh, hope to add some additional value for those that are interested in what um, we've been doing now for the last decade plus. So excited to, about that. And if you're interested in learning more about what we're doing down there, usually it, it involves startups and VCs and some of our other uh, partners and organizations that we work with. And so check out est.us forward slash SXSW21. Again, it's est.us forward slash SXSW21. You can sign up to get more information. It'll be uh, happening in March, so like March 15th, 16th, something around there. So be on the lookout for that and sign up for updates. Finally, aside from our March event, which is coming up fast, I wanted to take a moment to invite our listeners to get involved with some of our other programs by visiting est or established.us forward slash programs. So again, it's E-S-T-A-B-L-I-S-H-E-D dot U-S forward slash programs, established dot U-S forward slash programs. This is the best way for you to get notified of the various startup opportunities that come across our desks uh, as we work with various partner organizations and a number of ecosystems across the country, as well as the organizations that run those ecosystems. So um, right now we've got programs like uh, NASA iTech, which we are uh, participating and working with um, in events um, throughout the next several months. Um, we also work with uh, AFWorks or AF Ventures, uh, which is the Air Force uh, innovation arm, as well as others. So check out the uh, link, established.us forward slash programs, and sign up for updates, and we'll be notifying startups about different opportunities to get involved in their programs. Sometimes it's to pitch in front of investors. Sometimes it's to get in front of chief uh, technologists at NASA. And you know, other times it's, it's for potential investment. So interesting stuff going on there, and we'd love to have you involved if you're interested. Okay, now let's listen up with our conversation with Zvi Band, which he was actually part of our Startup of the Year Summit this last fall. So let's take a listen. Welcome, Zvi Band. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Frank, th thanks so much for having me. I feel like you and I have known each other through like three to four to five different stages of our career. Uh, yeah. So it's awesome to reconnect. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. And it's been, I mean, I first, we first connected in the DC community um, when you first started doing your, your first, I think it was your first dev. Um, you just left, left a bigger firm and you started your own uh, dev shop and you're building different people's apps and, and focus on building, uh, doing pro client projects. And, um, you know, you kind of, if I remember correctly, you really didn't think that networking or being, being out there and connecting with people was like that important because you were, you were kind of cranking away and obviously that's changed. Can you share kind of your then and now? Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm someone that when I first went to college, I was, I considered going home every weekend because I didn't want to have to talk to people, you know, and I thought like, even when I graduated, um, being a software developer, my job was just to kind of, you know, sit in a cubicle, write code, and that's it. Uh, very quickly learned that wasn't my path. And so started just building relationships in the DC, DC scene. I think, Frank, you and I maybe have even met at like one of the first bar camps. Like back yeah, when I remember bar, bar camps camp. were yeah, thing, and I, right? It was. It was 12 years ago or so. And I, it's funny because that came up as a memory this last weekend, which that's is awesome. really funny. Good timing. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the shirt. Um, uh, and uh, so through that, I just started getting to know people. And through that, I just saw amazing things started happening. I got job offers. And when I started my consulting firm, I started working with the likes of Ford and CBS and Volkswagen. And this was all very foreign for me, right? I never really had to do any marketing, but I didn't, didn't necessarily know where the business came from. And I looked and it didn't came come from marketing or BD. It just came from just knowing the right people and having the right people know me. And so from there, I learned that pretty much my relationships were my most important asset. And that's honestly what led us to start Contactually. That makes sense. So what was your kind of aha moment with Contactually? They were like, oh, we've got to do this and, and figure out how to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, uh, there are a couple key insights that we had. One, as I mentioned, is that relationships are our most important asset moving forward, right? That like just being good at what you do is table stakes. Mm -hmm. And especially when the knowledge gap has decreased, our skills gap has decreased because I can work with anyone around the world who can Google just the same thing as me. Um, what really sets us apart is our reputation amongst others. So that is one of the other key insights. The second is that while relationships you know, matter more than ever, you know, our human brains haven't necessarily changed that much, right? Like think of the number of people that we need to connect and work with over the course of our career. Well, the human brain can only maintain around 150 or so active relationships at any one point in time. So it's only 150, that's it? Roughly 150. It's like yep. a, a sociologist, Robin Dunbar, came up with um, Dunbar's number, um, appropriately named, and showed that like, you know, the average human can maintain our 150 or so social relationships. So the question is, okay, if we need to connect with thousands, you know, over the course of our lifetime, but we can only maintain relationships with, you know, 100 or so at a time, you know, well, how can technology come in and help us augment that, right? How can technology say, hey, um, you know, you haven't spoken to Frank in six years. Here's all the details about like, you know, him and Jen, the family and how you can leverage that relationship to, you know, to stay in touch in some way. And so that was the core idea behind Contact is how can we help you maintain relationships beyond what you already can kind of remember at any one point in time.
Right. So you pulled a team together. It was you kind of your idea? And then what happened next? You found a team and and started building it out. Yeah, actually. So it was you know I remember um, wrote down the idea in Evernote May fifteenth, twenty eleven. Just you mm-hmm. know again you know as just one of the random ideas. I'm like, hey, wouldn't it be great if uh, it was if there was a proactive CRM like a CRM mm-hmm. that was actually proactive in helping you with your relationships. Right. Um, I had a small team working with me at the time. And so we, I think in late June, we started working on the prototype and said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we hacked it together? Um, and within a few weeks, we had a working prototype. Um, Frank, you may have been like among the first hundred or so users or so. Yep. I definitely know Joe was. Um, We're still, we still use it. We still have an account. That's awesome. Yep. Um, and again, you know, through my relationships, right? I, I thought there was something there, but didn't necessarily like say, oh my God, this is going to change the world mm-hmm. but through my relationships uh you know you and i know like you know some of the partners at 500 startups right so i was out in the bay area just doing some business travel happened to show it um to a partner 500 startups and they said hey i'm going to you know i would fund this on the spot as long as you focus on this and really try and make this a real thing mm-hmm. and to be honest you know you know most people think that like oh startups they start with some big grand vision of how they want to change the world. In this case, no. Um, actually, it was, a, it was a lot of you know, intense debates between you know, myself and our, um, uh, my two friends who would end up becoming co-founders of this about whether or not we want to focus on this and is there a real thing. Um, mm-hmm. And over time, you know, we've decided that, okay, yes, like focusing on this um, was the right thing to do. And the 500 startups experience was like that burn the boats moments, moment to say, hey, we're going all in on making actually a reality. Right. So you guys basically quit your day jobs, started it out, built a prototype, got out there, went to 500 startups. What was, what did you find the most helpful about that experience? Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, pretty incredible. And I always recommend, you know, for anyone considering any kind of accelerator incubator to be very clear about what you want going into the program. For us, we didn't honestly, again, we just kind of like threw together the company, like literally like the (laughs) company was technically incorporated on the day, like we got funding from 500 startups because we were just kind of coming together that quickly. Mm -hmm. But for us, as I reflect in hindsight, what was most valuable about it was the pressure cooker, right? right? Was that, you know, most incubators have like a three to four month time span at which point you're done. Like usually there's some big kind of like demo day or coming out event or something like that or launch. Um, mm-hmm. And for us, we said, okay, we have four months to make this a company. So we right. went from obviously like having our day jobs and having an apartment, you know, and, you know, and having our lives in DC to all of a sudden, being across the country in Mountain View, we literally, we had the classic startup story of we had an empty apartment with three mattresses on the floor because <laughs> we were working 18 hours a day in the office, then we'd go home and sleep for six hours and like, that's it. Right. Um, and that really helped bring the company. So we entered as this prototype and we left as a real initial product, um, you know, that we had customers and we started having, you know, the first you know, few dollars coming in and we saw that, okay, there's a real thing there. Right. Sounds like a four month sprint, right. To get something going. Yeah. And honestly, like I, you know, as you know, like you know, leap building a startup, you know, the most important thing sometimes is you need that, like that you need that to switch into that right mentality. Mm-hmm. And for us, you know, it was our way of just hurling ourselves off a cliff and say, okay, you know, we got to survive in some way. That makes sense. 
right. So, I mean, obviously, um, you, you went through the program, you raised some funding. Uh, I think you ended up raising, if I get the number right, about $12 million, um, in funding and continue to build and build and build the product uh, and, and the audience or customers. Um, what was that like? I mean, what, how did you find it? I mean, both coming from, we've run, I've run companies as well, and I know what I, my answer would be. I'm curious to hear what yours is about that, what was that, five to seven years of, of running a company? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, um, and this is something I, I'm spending a lot of time reflecting on mm-hmm. moving forward, because one of the more amazing things that someone can, can hopefully take advantage of in the afterglow of a startup, whether it goes well or doesn't, is like, mm-hmm. what did you learn? Yeah. And to be honest, like, listen, you know, you look at, you take a step back and you're like, all right, you know, can actually ramp from, you know, zero to $10 million, you know, in, in annual recurring revenue, you know, we raised a whole bunch of money. We built a great team. We had good, like great glass door views. We had a great company culture. We had amazing customers and we really changed the lives of the people that we work with. And we're very thankful for that. Internally, I spent seven and a half years in survival mode. Right. Um, and really just like saying, okay, what do I need to do to keep the company afloat for another month, another year, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And you know, the moment you raise a round of capital or the moment you land a big customer, it's just like, all right, on to the next thing. What do we need to do to get to the next point? And mm-hmm. I never really internalized how I could make sure that, hey, the company's great and everything afterwards is just all about aspirational. And so um, that was a big challenge. Um, obviously, like we made a number of not pivots, but like business transitions over the you know over the seven and a half years. We uh, the two big ones are we start off as a very generic CRM built around relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had you know financial advisors and consultants and entrepreneurs and people who call themselves witch doctors and people who focused <laughs> on like controlling prison rights. We had all sorts of like different personas and different kinds of customers using us. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we knew that in order, if you're at, um, one of the books I always recommend to entrepreneurs is uh, Jeffrey Moore's Crossing the Chasm. Um, mm-hmm. Really great book, but you know, and Frank, you probably read it and know the mm-hmm. you know, core idea, but in order to go from early adopters to early majority to late majority laggards, like most startups fail going from early adopters to early majority. And the solution to make that jump, that chasm is to focus on a particular niche. So we saw this really interesting cohort of real estate agents come on board that we do nothing about, um, ended up learning more and deciding initially to focus on residential real estate as one of our initial markets. And it ended up being our biggest market. Um, you know, despite us not being a real estate CRM, we ended up becoming the best CRM for real estate agents, which is why Compass acquired us last year. Right. Um, so that was definitely one of the bigger ones. Congratulations, by the way. That's a heck of a run and a nice, nice win there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the other, the other point that's uh, that I think is a good lesson learned, and this is obviously like I would see like anyone building a B2B company that needs to think think a bunch about is whether you is your type of customer that you're serving. Um, you know, the general two buckets are there. You can serve SMBs or you can serve mid-market. Uh, we start off serving SMBs 
But right. then very quickly learned that enterprise was, you know, much stronger on almost all unit economics. Um, and as, uh, as it stands, you know, most uh, venture investors really much prefer, much prefer enterprise companies. There's mm -hmm. some swing back to focus on SMBs. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, we started off focusing on SMBs, like literally like individual real estate agents, consultants, and then slowly moved up to the point where, you know, the majority of our business was serving larger enterprises. All right, so let's just rewind for one second. I want to hear a little bit more about that acquisition. And can you tell us the story? What happened? How did that all come together? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll share what I can, obviously, because as you know, like you know, with M and A, there's a lot right. of things that you can't talk about. Sure. But high level, um, obviously, like as we were growing, um, you know, a few years into our journey, like we saw this company, it was actually called Urban Compass at the time, start up, and you know, we started seeing real estate agents from Compass, um, you know, join the platform or agents of ours who are customers, you know, move over, move over to Compass. Um, so of course, you know, as we started focusing on selling to enterprises, in our case, real estate brokerages, um, we started building relationship with Compass. Um, and over time, you know, we built more of a relationship with them. I think at one point, like 20% of Compass agents were customers of ours. Um, and try, so I ended up uh, building more of a personal relationship with Robert, the uh, co-founder and CEO, mm -hmm. to the point where just, you know, all all of a sudden, like at a 9 p.m. call one Tuesday night, um, out of the blue, like he reached out to us and mm -hmm. uh, and said, hey, like, would you be interested in like having a conversation about joining forces? Wow. And obviously it was a is a long relationship uh, that ended up uh, after that, that ended up leading to the acquisition back in February of 2019. But really, like, you know, again, the takeaway, not to spoil it, was that relationships are so important, that we had done so much work to build a relationship, not just with, like, Compass staff, but more importantly, with our customers who ended up joining Compass. And then, of course, right. with, like, Robert and his team to the point where, you know, once we were kind of looking at, like, that term sheet saying, hey is this the right thing to do? We had high confidence, both sides that like, hey, this is a match made in heaven. No, that makes sense. And you, he literally called, he, I mean, surprised me that he picked up the phone and called some, a lot of times people are emailing and whatnot in this day and age. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it, again, to the point like that, we had built up enough of a relationship that I think he felt totally comfortable just like calling me out of, uh, calling me out of the blue. Yeah. Um, as you know, I did, of course, like previously reaching out to him, et cetera. Right, makes sense. All right, so then you had the acquisition come through. Um, now you're inside Compass. Um, what is that like? I mean, you're running it. You're running Contactually as Contactually still, right? Yeah, so we're running Contactually still. That's still up and running and completely available for anyone who wants to use it. Um, internally, the the hypothesis behind the investment was Contactually is a really great CRM platform, right? Mm -hmm. But it's just that it does not do anything else. It doesn't do real estate search, it doesn't do marketing automation, or it doesn't do transaction management, all the different things that like, let's say a real estate agent may need. Now, obviously, we have APIs, so you can basically plug anything you want. But it's not the same as having one integrated platform. So the idea behind Compass acquiring us was, hey, how can we take all of Contactually's learning and airdrop it inside of Compass and build a real integrated platform. So now we're kind of taking a lot of that thinking and rebuilding it inside of the Compass platform. Um, wow. For me, honestly, it's, it's really been a, a true gift. You know, I consider 
can actually to be seven and a half years of business education that I happen to get paid for. Mm -hmm. um, and so having the transition, you know, post acquisition where it's not like, okay, you know, you know, day after the acquisition, completely different company, I'm out on the street and that's it, but actually allows me to take so much of our learnings and our team and our technology and drop it in a new company that's, you know, ever so slightly different. Obviously, like Compass is a massive company at this point, you know, on an incredible run rate. Right. But seeing how a tiny shifts of culture can result in very big, very big different business decisions, mm -hmm. seeing how you take a team of 70 people who work together at Contact, actually put them in a team of 2000 people um, plus, you know, another 18,000 agents or so um, right. and watching how that team works. Um, it's given me a really great insight into cultural design uh, about like the value, cultural value of ownership, for example, mm -hmm. um, or transparency and how you figure out how that scales inside a bigger company. And honestly, it's given me some great lessons I will take with me on future ventures. That's amazing. And I've also seen just a, an overall trans, uh, transformation from being that just a developer to like this leader in this of how many employees now that are you, are you managing? Yeah, I mean, so Compass, uh, a contact at the time of acquisition was 70. And now I think all in all, the team that's under us or touching us around 140. Wow. Did you ever think you'd be running a company that has that many people? I had no idea whatsoever. <laughs> um, I mean, to be honest, like, like I... And I realized this, you know, I, I never did much foresight or, you know, thinking into the future. Like, I remember, honestly, like when I, when my senior of college, I went to a job fair, someone, you know, offered me a job, like with, within a few months of the job fair and I took it, right. I didn't necessarily have as much thought into like, Hey, what is my three to five, 10 year vision and who do I want to be? Um, so no, like if I were to ride back, even to when you and I first met, like I had no idea I'd be here. Right. It's awesome. It's been awesome to watch. Um, all right. So let's talk about your book. It came out last year. It's the success, success in your sphere, leveraging the power of relationships to achieve your business goals. Talk about what, so tell me, what was your, um, first off, you talked already about how, you know, relationships are the most important asset and that's a big part of this book. Um, can you tell me what was kind of the impetus for, for writing the book and, and who did you want to get this in the hands of? Yeah, really great question. So uh, with Contactly, like we built a CRM platform, right? That was really great at taking whatever business strategy you wanted to have um, to nurture relationships and implementing it, right? So for example, if I wanted to stay in touch with investors, right? Or if I wanted to gain more repeat and referral business clients, um, can actually be a really amazing tool for that. But the problem is we were just a tool, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, the re to achieve a real outcome, you need a strategy, right? Which is tools and systems and processes and habits, et cetera. And right. so we realized that like what a lot of our customers were missing was they were missing the strategy, right? Mm -hmm. They could figure out how to use Contactually. And we were really great at teaching them how to use Contactually. What they're missing was, okay, how do I use Contactually to grow my business, right? So for example, one of the big challenges we saw is that when we saw why a lot of people were churning out, the number one reason why a customer would churn was, I just didn't have time to use it, right? right. 
And so it's clear that there was some kind of habit issue missing. That mm -hmm. relationship building is a long-term strategy, mm -hmm. but you need that habit that's going to help you in that short term, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's not something like software, right? Well, like a CRM. Will I mean, there were some help. things in there you try to do. Like you did nudges and things like that, but you, that only goes so far until you turn it off. And you're like, well, I'm not going to get nudged anymore. Right? Exactly. Right. We had a lot of, you know, we had a lot of game mechanics built in the platform. Like the bucket game was another one, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. No, people still love it. Right. right yeah, um, yeah. But we saw that like what we needed was we needed to distill the thousands and thousands of customer interactions of best practices and watching what you know, why, why some people were successful and why, uh, why many others weren't and how could we distill that? And that ended up being um, the, you know, the, the mass of the book, uh, Successes in Your Spare. Oh, very interesting. Okay. So everyone, you know, obviously has relationships and you mentioned earlier the number that we can actually manage and it goes up like, so I think it's, you know, certain number for family and friends and obviously the most that you can manage outside of that family and friend kind of bucket is 150 ish you mentioned. So how do you, how does one do that? You know, over time, how do you stay in touch with those people? And obviously you built technology to do it, but without being transactional. Yeah, absolutely. Not transactional, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the great, you know, the great thing to think about, and I love the, you know, the Maya Angelou quote, right. Mm -hmm. That people may forget, I'm butchering it, but people may forget what you did um, mm -hmm. or forget what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Right. right. So yeah. the essence of a lot of our relationship marketing strategies mm -hmm. is, OK, how do I maintain a personal, authentic relationship with this person? How do I make sure they feel that like I care about them? Right. Um, mm -hmm. And how do I actually like genuinely do that? Right. And if we were to take that, then there's then we can think about, well, how can technology augment that in some way? Right. So mm -hmm. you know, the few things that we focused on is, well, you know, who do I need to talk to? When should I engage with them? And what should I say? Right. Mm -hmm. And so we thought in, you know, in the book and in the software about how do we build strategies behind that? Right. Yeah. So for example, Frank, you and I honestly may not have spoken in three or four years at this point, other than maybe the mm -hmm. odd tweet because we share the yeah. same birthday or something. Right. Like yeah. That, right? Hey. Yep. Yeah. But like, you know, I can have a CRM system that says, okay, make sure I stay in touch with Frank every 90 days or so. Right. Right. And I may forget a lot of information about you, but I can log in my CRM or other tool, you know, because I make a habit of taking notes that like, oh yeah, like Frank's really into llamas. Right. And he actually <laughs> had a llama at his, at, you know, at his and Jen's wedding. Right. Right. Um, yep. Right. And so I can think about those little notes. And so the next time I'm reaching out to you saying, Hey, Frank, you know, long time no see, honestly, like I was actually just at a farm this weekend in West Virginia and I saw some llamas and thought of you. Right. Oh, did you um, really? Yeah, I did. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah. And so like, it's things like that, that will say, you know, what, like that will get you to feel, wow, like he really cares about me. So yeah. if I were to reach out to an ask, or if there was some opportunity that you think I'd be great for, right. Mm -hmm. There's a much higher chance of you remembering about me. Right. Totally. So we kind yeah. of unpack a lot of these strategies around how to nurture, maintain personal and authentic relationships. in the yeah. And you call it the capital strategy. And I'm curious, I, I, you don't have to go through them all because I don't want to spoil it, but um the capital strategy, does that have to do with like DC being the capital or where did you come up with that? You know, I wish I could say like, <laughs> oh my God, like it was some 
amazing moment or something like that. But honestly, it was, you know, us looking for some kind of like mnemonic that would allow us, allow people to very easily like remember it. Right. And so we were thinking about all the different steps and all the different words or letters we could use for those steps. And it turned out that, oh, capital actually like does work. And as it happens, we're a DC based company. So sure. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, totally. All right. And uh, I know we're, we're starting to kind of run tight on time here. So I'm going to kind of quick, quick fire some of these questions. Yes. Um, so, you know, you're basically, how do you, you, you know, we're all kind of living in this pandemic world right now and who knows if that's going to change for any time soon. So um, wanted to know, like with that, how does that impact, you know, building these relationships? We used to go grab coffee or grab a cocktail or go meet somebody for a meeting. And now we're doing it over zoom or other, whatever other, you know, conferencing tool you're using. How is that? How have, you, how have you taken that? And what are some tips, I guess, for people that are trying to connect? Relationships are built around shared experiences, right? It's a shared experience over coffee. It's a shared experience over having been to a bar camp together, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? We're, for better or for worse, we're all going through this, you know, horrible pandemic, this amazing turbulent time, right? Mm-hmm of the pandemic and climate change and the you know, election that passed, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Um, use that as an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the first things that I do, for example, you can reach out to literally anyone ever, right? That you've ever spoken to and saying, hey, listen, I know this is a crazy time. How are you and your family doing, right? right. Because honestly, there's a good chance that things aren't as good as they were a year ago, right? right. And that, that, for better or for worse, is a shared experience that we're always going through. So I honestly say, hey, start with just checking in on how someone's doing personally. That's a great, great tip. And we are, you're right, we're all going through something right now, whether it be any of those men- you mentioned, uh, and hopefully, you know, there's not gonna be more of that as 2020 continues to roll through, roll through here, um, like a freight train. So, um, so yeah, so I guess, one more kind of dialing it back to, to measuring success. I was like, this book is about success in this sphere. How do you measure success when you're managing those relationships? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's one of those things where it's, you have to believe, right? Everyone, anyone can look in the rear view mirror and see all the amazing things that happened in their life because they ha- had the right relationships mm-hmm. moving forward. It's hard. To, you just have to kind of take that and Take, take the best thing. Hey, this is worth the time. You can, of course, measure th- some things. So for example, in contactually, like we showed you the number of healthy relationships you had and, you know, and we give you a grade based on that. Um, but honestly, I think it's really starting off with saying, Hey, what are my goals? Um, yeah. And then being able to see in not a week or two, am I moving towards those goals, but in a year or two, you know, Hey, have I, you know, have I manifested those goals in some way and can relationships, you know, play a part in that? That's great. And then just one last thought as you, you know, everyone's out there making sure that they're making, you know, relationships, which, which you're calling their most important asset, which I agree with, what should they be doing? Like what should, one thing they could be doing today uh, to kind of improve their, you, you know, obviously there's a little bit of equation between luck and, and this as well, improve their luck and, and build a successful business or relationship or whatever they're trying to do. Honestly, I'll give a couple simple tips. Uh, one, block time off in your calendar, right? Just block time off in your calendar to not be reactive to your email or reactive to what you see on Twitter, but instead find the time to be proactive, 
right? Mm -hmm. Think about who you want to talk to, not who's talking to you. And honestly, if you're struggling to figure out who to talk to, I'm sure there are probably people that are already cycling through your mind. But one of the little tips I give to people is if you can't figure out anything else to do, go to your inbox, go back five or six pages or something like Mm -hmm. that and find someone who you haven't somebody, right? Yeah. Yeah, Right. Or honestly, like, honestly, I, you know, I open up my messages, you know, screen on my phone, scroll down a few pages and like find someone that like, oh, I haven't talked to Brandon since August. Right. Right. Why don't I just send him a quick text message? Right. Just find a way to circulate the relationships that you already have. Yeah, that's great advice. And I, I do. I think that that 150 number is interesting. And actually, since reading your book and just kind of thinking about all this stuff again, I mean, I always feel like relationships matter. I feel like I've always felt like Dale Carnegie's book is one of the, you know, the, one of those other books that people should read about, you know, making friends and influencing people. And so my thought here is like, I'm even thinking about who are the 150 people I should be connecting with. So I think that's the other thing I thought about was like, everyone should just make their list and kind of keep checking it twice and keep cycling it out. So I think it's great, great tidbits coming from and, and pieces of, of information that come from this and tactics for you to be connected in a better way. So if you haven't checked it out, Success in Your Sphere by Z Band. Uh, Z, thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate it. If people want to connect with you, how can they do it? Yeah, um, honestly, there's only one Z Band out there, so I'm pretty easily Googleable. Um, yep. I think on Twitter, I'm at Skivas, uh, Instagram, Z Band. I'm on Clubhouse. I got this V name. Um, so uh, however I can be of assistance, please don't hesitate to reach out. All right. I hope you all learned something new and uh, about running your business and growing a startup from Z. He grew his company very quickly, achieved amazing success, success and an exit, and I've uh, been watching and following his journey for quite some time, and I've known him before before he was even in startup land. He was a developer and uh, building some products. So anyway, I, thanks again for listening, and remember to subscribe uh, to our show and review it if you can. We really appreciate all the feedback. Also, if you're interested in more content like this, um, join us on Clubhouse. It's the new hot app. If you haven't heard about it, go to joinclubhouse.com. You can follow me at Frank Gruber, as well as at John Guidos and at Jen Consalvo and at Lori Teal. All of our team members, um, Joe, Joe Corbett and, and uh, Jessica Boone are also on there. And we're going to be doing more different kind of interactive uh, discussions, and we'd love to have you involved. So join clubhouse.com is where you can get on, on it if you have iOS and uh or an iPhone and, and check it out and uh, follow us. We'd love to, to hear from you. And if you have a startup idea and want to get it started right away, um, today is the best day to start. Not tomorrow, not the next day. Start today. Start jotting down those ideas. Get momentum and uh, you'll be on your way. There's a lot, a lot of steps in between, I know, but you got to start somewhere and today is the best day. Until then, I'm Frank Gruber signing off. Stay safe out there and be well. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon. 